You are listening to Salty Believer Unscripted. This is Salty Believer Unscripted. I'm Josiah Walker. I'm Brian Catherman. And today we're taking a break from our current series. And uh, we're going to be talking about parables today. I'm getting ready to do a sermon series here at our church on parables. Uh, I think five different parables is, is what we're looking at. So Brian and I have been talking this week about different parables. And there's a lot of them here in Scripture. There are, and you're you're kind of getting zeroed in. I think you should be the one on the dishonest manager. I was trying. I'm trying to get zeroed in. I don't know how many five. Five. All right. Well, you should so, definitely include the dishonest manager one, which I, most people, if they do parables, will go. I can't make any sense of that. I'm going to ignore it. Well, I was going to say I, I don't even know if I want to discuss it here on the podcast today because I, I don't really know what it's about. But I find it's easier to discuss the ones that maybe Jesus answered. Right. <laughs> yeah. So okay, if you're confused by parables. Remember that the disciples were confused by parables. And so the ones that we go, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense, are also because Jesus gave us the exact meaning of it. Because the disciples were like, what's up with, okay, so there's a guy, he's throwing seeds out, there's four different soils. We naturally just go, oh, yeah, it means this. But if you right. didn't have the meaning, right? I bet there'd be so much unbelievable debate. Well, this must be that, and this must be this, and this must right. be that. And he's like, nope, the seed is the gospel. Right. And the soil is like he explains it. So disciples get confused. So we do have to do some work in how we understand a parable, how we interpret it, what's there. And I'm just going to start with, this is where we usually get the most sideways on parables. Parables are usually trying to make one point. Right. It's okay. an illustration of a point, it, right? Yeah. It's like the it's like the Aesop's fables, right? Okay, there's a fox and he wants these grapes and they look delicious and so he's jumping up to try to reach the grapes, and he can't reach the grapes. And so when he can't get the grapes, he walks away and says, they were probably sour anyway, right? That's where we get sour grapes. But yeah. he wanted them, but then when he couldn't have them, he made a... a so he, there's not like... We don't want to overread and go, if you see grapes, you need to jump higher. No, that's not the right. point. Like the, <laughs> Right. We want to understand. That's how parables are, too. We want to understand there's a point. This parable is memorable, and it helps us make really a single big point. Does that help? That helps. So the dishonest manager. You want to look at this one? So here's what happens. People people start to read things in here, and if we don't start with what is the point he's trying right. to make, because there's a shocking twist in this parable. Right. Um, I want to just remind readers of a really helpful Bible study tool called Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. It's a really excellent book. Here at uh, Redeeming Life, we made a bookmark. That's just a helpful thing. It's the OIA type method, observation, interpretation, application. There's lots of questions on when you're doing your observation. One of the, what, lots of things. What's true to life? What's What are words that are repeated? What's the argument? Like, there's lots of stuff here to help. But one of them is like, what? what is a surprising plot twist? Is there something, because sometimes you can pick up things by understanding that or not get duped by the twist or... It's just helpful. And then also, is there a place where there's more explanation, which will help? So let's, you want to maybe just for the sake of our listeners, we could say, hey, stop right now. Yeah. Go to Luke 16 and read this. But for the people who are commuting to work, they're like, that darn it, I'm on my way to work. I don't want to, wanna, I don't want to cause an accident on the highway. What, 13 verses. You want to read it? Yeah. So this is found in some of it Luke 16, uh, the parable of the dishonest manager. It starts out, it says, now he, talking about Jesus, said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. Okay, so let's just summarize real fast. The owner, the rich man, 
uh, heard an accusation that the guy working for him was squandering his possessions or right. doing a bad job. Right. He calls him right. to account. All right. So okay. picking up in three. Go ahead. So in verse three, it says, then the manager said to himself, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe, my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write fifty. Next, he asked another. How much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write eighty. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Okay, hit pause. <laughs> that, I mean, I guess we could read that a couple different ways, and we'll see what's going to happen if we keep reading. But so, when we were kind of briefly talking about it, you thought that maybe the master was thinking, "Hey, all these invoices got, all the debt got paid, right?" Right. But let's quickly ask: Did anybody pay? No. They just, he just changed the invoices so that right. when he's gone, they owe less. Right. So we're going. Wait, just a minute here why would the manager praise now there's a key word here it's important to note words unrighteous right okay we're going to see that word again it's going to help unlock a little bit of the clue here but let's remember the master praised the unrighteous manager because here's why he did it he acted shrewdly so the praise was for the shrewd behavior which we go wait a minute well that doesn't seem like it's praiseworthy at all right let's remember the parable is teaching us a principle. The parable is not teaching us this is how we should manage funds. I got you. So this is not your encouragement to be a scoundrel to your boss. <laughs> yeah. Let's keep reading and then see if in this next section between 8 and 13, um, we can see maybe what the principle of the parable okay. is. You want That's to keep going? Point. So the master praised yeah. the unrighteous. Let's put that word on a, Put a pin in there and remember that. The unrighteous manager. Because he had acted shrewdly. Here's the four. Here's a because or why. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, so, for the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Okay, hold on. Let's unpack this for just a second. This is confusing. There's a lot here. So, the words are going to help us a lot. Four, here's the because. The children of this age, uh, he's making a contrast, are more shrewd than the children of light. So... Using the children of light, you can tell that the children of this age must be the children of the world. Yeah. And they're shrewd, okay? So he's drawing a contrast in dealing with their own people. And then he says, I tell you, make friends by yourself, make friends for yourself by means of worldly wealth, this this children of light wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwelling. He's That's a weird, but there's a principle here we're going to see. So you're kind of tracking. Yeah. He's making a contrast that wasn't in the original story. He's kind of explaining it for us. In verse, what were you going to say? Well, you were talking about the unrighteous manager, and I'm seeing in my notes in my Bible that sometimes instead of worldly wealth, some translations say unrighteous money. Unrighteous money, which really helps it be clear. Okay. He's working in this system, these expectations, but there's something more in an eternal peace. Now, this is where it gets really, that's important to see what's happening, because now go ahead with verse 10. Yeah. So, for whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous as much. All right. So, that unrighteous word has come back up. Yep. But he's talking about faithful, and you have a picture of if you do something with a little amount, that's going to be your internal 
method, that's going to be what happens when you have a lot more. Right. So if this guy did something shrewd and unrighteous, probably his internal workings were if he had a little opportunity, he would be shrewd. When he had a bigger opportunity, he'd be shrewd. Let's remember the original accusation. He had an accusation right. that he was squandering his money. Yeah. Oh, so in when he was doing this a little bit, he did this. So then the manager calls him to an account, and he's unrighteous with a little. Now he's going to be even more unrighteous sure. with, yeah. the, like, okay, this is on. Yeah. I, or it goes the other way. If you're faithful with a little, that's a good indicator that you should be faithful with more, right. which should tell us, okay, we should be faithful with a little bit. Because, let's go to a different illustration, the lottery. Someone right. who cannot budget their money. Right. Someone who is terrible with a little bit of money. They love, like, oh, they, they squander money on Slurpees every day, or they do this, or they do that. They go, oh, if only I had the lottery. If I won the lottery, then all my problems would go away. Right. Many people who win the lottery end up broke as can be in just sure. a few years. Because what they did with a little bit is what they would do with a lot. Right. And so I think that's that's what's going on here. So let's go to verse 11. Yeah. And note that in verse 11, it now goes into sort of this past tense, if you have. But go ahead. Right. So now it says in verse 11, So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, let's think about that for a second. How many people go, you can't serve God and money? Oh, yeah, all the time. Without thinking about the entirety of this parable. Right. This just said, if you're not going to use worldly wealth to gain probably eternal significance, what is genuine? Right. If you're not going to be faithful with a little, how are we going to trust you to be faithful with much? So, therefore, you can't serve one, and yet you have to give your priority to one. Right. Faithfulness. Uh, faith, um, children of light or children of the world or uh, unrighteousness or righteousness. So you're not going to, you can leverage one for the other, but you can't serve them both. But we just throw that, you can't serve God and money out there like it has a totally different meaning than what this parable is saying. Well, same with like the faithful with a little and faithful with much. We make it sound, I feel like a lot of times I hear that in the connotation of, well, if I'm faithful with the little money I have, God's going to bless me with more money. Right, which there is a different parable that kind of kind of makes that argument, but we're going to come back. We'll come right. back to that. But so, but here it's just basically saying if you're dishonest with a little, you're going to be dishonest with you, much. If you're faithful with a little and honest with a little, you're going to be honest with well, a lot. Well, look at number, look at verse 11. So if you, now Jesus is directly talking to his hearer. Mm. If you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with, you know, it, right. Uh, and I tell, let's see, where is this? So whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful. So it's not like if, yeah. in this parable, he's not saying, if you're faithful with a little bit, God's, if you just plant a seed, right. thousands more dollars are going to come and whatever. Yeah. Okay, where does that come from? That comes from a different parable. Right. Which is probably helpful to talk about. I think we have time. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's go, before we jump to that parable, let's go here real quick. So before we leave chapter 16, what's the principle here? There's a principle that Jesus is trying to make with the shocking story, with this thing, and it's probably, literally, it's probably in, in verse ten. But what do you, what would you, how would you articulate the, the chief principle yeah. of this? I think to your point that you made earlier in the podcast is it's 
less about money and more about maybe a, a character issue or a heart issue here. Right. Which should also tell us, like, if we're looking for a leader in a ministry thing, is this person generally faithful with a little bit because we're about to give them more? Right. The answer is no. What makes us think, okay, we're going to give them more responsibility. Yeah. They're going to be, are you faithful in, in, you know, I think that's the principle. The one who is faithful with a little bit will prove to be faithful when given more. The one who is unfaithful or unrighteous with a little bit, which is what this manager was, well, will prove to be unrighteous with more. And the irony and the twist is his shrewd manager of the world, knowing the world's ways, praised him for it. Like, oh, you, f- oh, great. Yeah. I mean, that's just bizarre. That right? is confusing to me because when I look at this, you can see when you really examine it, like you said, with the bookmark or what have you, it's less about money and more just behavior issues, right? So mm-hmm. when I think about maybe in the in the workplace promotions I've had over time is I've been faithful in maybe smaller departments or smaller areas. And then as you just manage those things well, right. you get put in terms without, of more responsibility. Without eyes for like, when I get to the next right. thing, then I'll be this It wasn't way. just that necessarily they were profitable, but I managed my time well. I managed my inventory well. I managed, you know, well, think about the that department with, was clean. Think about that with the, the worldly rich manager here. This isn't saying, it's not saying God is the rich person. Right. And, you know, it's not that kind of a parable. The guy praised the shrewd one because he, too, is in that system. Sure. He goes, well done, man. Yeah. You know, good. It sounds good. like maybe he's un- dishonest, too. He's an unrighteous guy, too. Yeah. Um, now, so he's, he's praising the behavior. He probably right. doesn't like that he's losing his wealth and riches. But the, the shocking part is why would we expect an unrighteous person to praise this guy for squandering his money and doing this? Well, because if the unrighteous person who has all the money is not righteous with a little, he's going to be excited right. about the more. It's just a, it's a principle idea. Right. You know, I think, and it's a behavior idea, and it's really not so much about money. Yeah. It's about what you're going to do. And so it, it proves to be true with what you do with money. proves to be true with what you do with a smaller department job. It proves to be true with what you do with a smaller ministry opportunity or whatever. Your character is generally going to do the same thing if you're given more opportunity as it yeah. did with little opportunity. <clears throat> and we see that we see that play out in ministry all the time. I mean, as pastors here, we see that. Man, right. that person was really faithful with this. That's a pretty good indicator that she'll also be faithful with more. Exactly. But when people come and say, I want to do this big giant more thing, you're like, Well, I don't see right. I don't see you discipling well in your home. I don't see you, you know, Sure, all the other possible things. You've been given all these other opportunities, and I don't see that. It's the same way with like elder and deacon yeah. qualifications. Hey, yeah. does the person have a good reputation? Do they teach well? Let the deacons be tested first. It's just like you're going to see the character in a little. It's, it's ironic, but I mean, there's there's a real biblical truth there. I, I think about the fact that I'm an elder at a church now, and I'm a, a pastor, and I'm getting ready to do a sermon series right on parables next month. And I think back to when it all started with, hey, can you just open the door when people show up to church? Will you just, like, greet them at the door? Well, and the guy that goes, well, I'm probably not going to be serious about church as a greeter, but I'll be real serious if they right. ask me to preach a series. No, you won't. <laughs> no. No. Because that's where I started. And so I think there's something to say that to humble yourself to, yeah, I'll open the door. Or, yeah, I'll clean the kitchen and wash the dishes after the event, you know. I will be faithful with what's here. Yeah. And maybe that will shape me. But also, we don't want to get in the thinking of, well, if I'm faithful with this, then I'm no. guaranteed that. Right. Because that comes out of um, that comes out of Luke 19. We'll go there. We'll kind of end on that, so we don't get. Oh yeah. We the, don't want people to be thinking the wrong thing here. The parable of the ten minus. Yes. Um, 
or ten talents. A, I was gonna say, do you have a note for what a mining is? It's like a day's I, wages or something, right? right? Or, no, uh, that might not be right. Do you have a little note in your study bible? I'm looking. I don't have my study bible here with me, so I don't have a note. It's it's a amount of money, but I can't remember how much money. Or it could be talents. Like, okay, so I'll, this is a fairly long. So um, a mina is a coin worth a hundred drachmas, or about a hundred days' wages. It says. Okay, so take your salary, figure out about what a hundred of your work days are yeah. worth. That might give you a today's value, maybe. Uh, so this starts in it's Luke nineteen verse eleven. I'll read through this one. It says, "As they were listening to this, this is the people listening to Jesus. He's teaching." He, Jesus, went on to tell a parable. And by the way, it's really helpful when they clue you in. Right. Hey, this is a parable. Don't get confused. Right. A parable. So it's out. I mean, it almost always does that. Here's a parable. Here's a parable. Here's a parable. It's kind of like saying, here's a riddle, or here's a joke, or here's a fable. Here's a story. Here's a story. Yeah. So he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. That's a helpful clue. He's saying, this is why I'm telling this parable. Because they thought the kingdom of God, bink, was going to be right there. So then, we, so that's going to help us make sense of this. Verse 12, therefore he said, A noble man traveled to a far off country to receive for himself authority to be king, He then and then to return, which in a lot of ways sounds maybe like Jesus. But he called ten of his servants, gave them ten minas, and told them, Engage in business until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We don't want this man to rule over us. At his return, having received authority to be king, he summoned those servants and that he had given money to so that he could find out how much they had made in business. The first came forward and said, Master, your mina has earned ten more minas, which is... That's a lot. As a tenfold on the, like, woohoo! He says, well done, good servant, he told him. Because you have been faithful in a very small matter, have authority over ten towns. Now, this is where, if we start with the thinking, if I'm faithful with this, then right. I get. It's it not a guarantee. A he, didn't, thing. he didn't know. Right. He was told, Do make me more money. Yeah. He had no idea what the reward was going to be. So yeah. it goes back to the parable we're talking about. Right. He who was faithful with a little will be faithful with he, more. Yeah. He was faithful with a little, and therefore, now, this this nobleman, who's a king, can give him authority over more because he yeah. was faithful with a little. He didn't earn... He showed his faithfulness, and by his faithfulness, he now is trusted. He wasn't guaranteed. And by the way, he's still serving the master. He's not like, now I have my... This is all for right. me. I'm getting while I can. <clears throat> uh, verse 18. The second came and said, Master, your mina, your mina has made five minas. Again, who's minas? The right. kings. Right. So, again, we go back to that prosperity gospel. If I do this, then I get the minas. They don't right. get the minas. Right. So he said to them, you will be over five towns. So he was faithful at this much. He's got that much authority. He's a good principle here. We're seeing it in different panels. And then here comes the contrast. And another came and said, Master, here is your mina. I have kept it safe in a cloth because I was afraid of you since you were a harsh man. You collect what you didn't deposit, and you reap what you didn't sow. Which right there, I never thought about until we just read it, but he told these guys, do business, make transactions, and this guy just held on to it. No, he didn't do any business. And we also see at the beginning, a bunch of these people don't want him to be a king, they hate him. Right. Oh yeah, here you go. I, you know what, and he says, I was afraid of you since you're a harsh man. 
Okay, so that's a judgment the guy's making. We don't know because the parable says he's a nobleman. This guy is saying he's a harsh man. We see that we have the contrast between people, but right. but the point is, and in, I think in one of the other parables it says he buried it in the ground. Right. Like, but hey, I just I just wrapped this thing up and kept it safe for you to come back. I'm just sitting on it because I'm I don't I'm I'm not going to obey you and right. do what you told me to do, which is a really good observation, Josiah. Yeah. So he didn't do what he was told to do, which means what? He was not faithful right. with what he was told to do. He told him, I will condemn you by what you have said, you by what you have said, not even by what you've done, you evil servant. If you knew I was a harsh man, collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow, why then didn't you put my money in the bank? And when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. So now he's still not saying that necessarily he is or isn't a harsh man, but if you believe that, Right. You still didn't do what I told you to do. You could have at least do. done this. And he was condemned by what he said here. So he said to those standing there, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Right. Right. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Like, he doesn't need all that. Right. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. And from the one who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. It's very similar right. if you're faithful with a little... You'll be, you know, you'll be, you right. will be faithful with more. If you were faithful with a little, it looks like you would be given more. But bring here, uh, but bring here these enemies of mine. Now he's calling this guy an enemy, right? And the other ones who hated him, who did not want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. Yeah. So the command was, hey, submit to the instruction I'm giving you. They didn't do it. And is right. that faithful with a little? Right. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with a lot. They weren't faithful. To this guy at all, they weren't fit. so that's that's the parable yeah. where some people will draw like if I do this, then I right. get that. But it still goes back to the first parable we're talking about that says, look, if you are faithful with a little, you will be faithful with more. So that ten minus guy was just faithful because at the end of the day, he wasn't <clears> looking <throat> for a return. He wasn't looking for a reward. He, he was, was just serving. doing what he was <laughs> yeah. commanded to he do. He was faithful to do right. to the king what the so. king asked. And this guy was like, I hate him. I don't want him to rule over me. Forget you. So you see again, there's principles here, right? This isn't a story about how to make investments on stuff. It's right. a story about being faithful in both cases. Yeah. So I hope that helps you with those two parables. Usually, this is by way of reminder, usually a parable is really teaching us one principle that can be applied broadly to what we do with our life. Right. And it's usually not the specifics of the story. If that were the case, we're talking about seeds or plants or right. dirt. No, it's the, it's the principle that Jesus is wanting them to get. And let us not forget in that one we just read in 19... He's on his way to Jerusalem, yeah. and he says, oh, there's a nobleman who's going away for a time. Well, that sounds an awful lot like Jesus going away. He's going to return. Yeah. Because um, the very next thing we see is his triumphal, triumphant entry into the city. That doesn't mean that's the most important piece. It means we need to understand that that's the reason for right. telling the parable. So if you're sitting in the audience back then, Jesus is telling the parable because he's saying, be faithful right. when I return. You know, there's going to be something here. Yeah. So serve me. All these parables about seeds and farming isn't because God's called us to be farmers. Right, exactly. It's a picture of being faithful with different things. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know if that helps you. But. I hope so. I think, as we've seen today, there's a lot of potent parables here in the Bible. That's we've looked your, at two of them. That's your series title, huh? <laughs> we've, potent parables. It's a good one. <laughs> but we've looked at two of them, and I think the key that makes these potent is, is understanding them rightly. Yes. And so, when you do read these, don't read through them through the lens of tradition or things you've heard or maybe other books that have talked about them, but really look at what God says. Dig in there and see the words. 
his point in these parables uh, the, are. The book we mentioned was Living by the Book. I think it's Living by the Book, The Art and Science of Studying the Bible, something like that, by Howard Hendricks. It's a classic. It will really help you with these sort of things. And when you get to parables or when you get to this, look for that one big principle. So there you go. I hope this helped you. If you have a favorite parable, let us know what it is. But other than that, until next time. Thank you for listening. Find more information at saltybeliever.com.